Chips in Between. Welcome one, welcome all the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza episode 184. Folks, we got a freaking historical one for you today. I'm going to be totally honest with you. We're going to get this intro crap out of the way so we can get into the freaking probably one of the best podcasts podcasts of the season. It's going to be one of the best for sure. Um, It's a freaking five-man show, first of all. So luckily for all of you, you're not going to hear any one of us probably say all that much because everybody has to keep things like extremely short. Um, I'm going to first introduce actually our guest of honor. Now I call Mac Johnson a celebrity all the time. But folks, this guy that I'm about to introduce is actually a freaking proper celebrity, a, a Twitter celebrity, dare we say, an ex-celebrity. But he's not an ex-celebrity because he's currently a celebrity. He's just a t- Twitter celebrity. So without further ado, here is AFC Max 9. Maxi boy, welcome to the podcast. How are you, my friend? Absolute pleasure, lads. You know, it's a big moment for me. I'd say in my ex-career, you know, this is the biggest moment. So it's a, it's an honor and it's a privilege. Uh, we're happy to have you, man. And Max is in some sort of strange green room. So um, it's uh, it's a very nice color behind him. And it really, really, really ties this podcast all well together because we have all got like white or horribly dark blue backgrounds behind us. So he's got a bright, you know, just beautiful background. Um, I'm going to move on now to the to the guy who who helped me get it all started. It's the lovely London local lad Alfie Colshaw in the cut. Alfie. Que pasa, hombre? What are you saying, lads? Yeah, yeah, I'm decent. I'm decent. Um, so it's a pleasure to have the FC Max 9 finally on the pod. It's been in the works for a while. We finally secured the deal um, to bring him on for episode 184. And what a podcast debut this is. Uh, first time we've recorded an episode when we've beaten Manchester City in the Premier League. So, yeah, it's huge. What are you saying, Danny? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Alfie, your your audio is kind of kind of messing up a bit. I think it'll sort itself out. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's historic, man. I'm I'm an old man, and we haven't beaten Manchester City since I was like 16 years old. Um, yes, Alfie, we could hear you, by the way. Um, but it, I think it's just yeah, your connection's horrible. Anyway, great podcasting. Um, yeah, man, I I literally I didn't even have my driver's license yet before we. <laughs> When we last beat Manchester City with that Santi Gazorla Francis Coughlin mask. Oh my god, that's crazy. Um I mean, wow. Just it's it's amazing, man. It's it's this is an event, folks. Um next up is the man, the myth, the legend with the versatile name, Rob ba- Bob Bert Bertha, the man that I so like to call the blue moon. <laughs> What's up, blue moon? <laughs> <laughs> nice one um hello everybody i am very well thank you it's uh it's, it's a real pleasure to be on the the first ever five-man arsenal cannon podcast or extra cannon podcast it's uh it's a new one for for all of us so um bear with us as, as we get to grips with it but it's uh it's great to have uh afc max nine on I, I chatted to him about a month ago and sounds like he's settled in at uni now um and he's ready ready to to come on the podcast and uh yeah just to echo what alfie said um a, a historic uh day in, in so many ways um just just a really beautiful win and and a really really interesting game of football especially like if you were a fan of one of the teams, I know that there's been a lot of chat on Twitter about 
sort of the neutral. It was very boring and I can understand why. But it was a really fascinating tactical battle, especially in the second half. So really looking forward to sinking my teeth into that one. Yeah, man. I, it really was like a like a chess match. I know it's such a cliche, but it, you know, it really did sort of seem like both teams just felt each other out for the whole entire game. Even like after we scored the goals, uh, the goal, there was still that sense of those light little jabs and, and you just with Manchester city, you never know what's going to happen. Um, the guy on this podcast that seems like he would know how to play chess is who I'm going to introduce next. That is Mac Johnson, the celebrity Mac, Mackie poo. So I call you, how are you? I'm doing all right, mate. I am. I'm having a good time. Uh, I did play chess in like second grade. There was a club at my elementary school. Uh, so about seven year old Mac played chess. I'm horrible at chess, but, uh, anyway, what I'm not horrible at is being an Arsenal fan and it's a great fucking day to be an Arsenal fan. Um, it's been, it's been a season of first for this podcast. Our first champions league show, our first win over Manchester city. Um, we are weirdly joint top of the table now with that other tiny team from North London, uh, shout out to them for scoring more goals. I think it is first time I've seen any kind of table decided by goals scored rather than even goal difference. Um, just a little nerdy stuff, other nerdy stuff. And I guess my dictionary moment for the day, um, I would call the color behind Max Chartreuse. Uh, and with that, back to you, Daniel. That sounds like a stripper name, but cool. Very nice. Um, let's move on and just forget that Mac even said that. Um, just horrible. Horrible that you even know that, man. Um, Alfie, I'm going to come to you first, brother, because you were here with me first, man. All those years not beating Manchester City. And it just, even, we only beat them 1-0. And they're, they were missing... Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri, but this still just feels momentous. I mean, genuinely, um, since we have so many people on this podcast today, I'm just going to pass it to you real quick and request that you throw me some good stuff or a good stuff from, from this just, I, I mean, dude, I was like literally emotional at the end of the game because it just felt like such a long time in the making. Yeah, I think there may be some connection issues and I feel like I'm responding late because when I finished speaking last time, you, no one said anything for about 20 seconds for me. So I don't know how the connection's going, but um, you're nodding when I'm speaking in time. So it seems like you are responding, whatever. Um, good stuff. Uh, I'm going to say the fact that we completely negated Manchester City um, to... You know, they had 0.5 XG, four shots. They had two shots after like the third minute when they, Ake should have scored. Like this was unbelievable from us. The way we set up structurally, the, the way we just absolutely suppressed them. And obviously I think there were some teething issues in the first half. Oh, I've lost connection. Oh, and I've... Re- no. Alpha, you just randomly vanished out of nowhere and now you're back. Let him cook. <laughs> now he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's editing this shit. There's no way I'm fucking editing this shit. <laughs> Alfie, I don't know if you can hear us. You're editing this podcast. <laughs> I'm back in. Proud of yeah. you, buddy. All right. Is, I just kept right, it this rolling. This is so bro. bad. Oh, so, so I kept did it you, rolling. Did you save the stuff? I didn't the, stop. The recording. audio is still going. Oh, right. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it just hasn't stopped yet. So carry on. Carry I on sent speaking. you a time code. I can't remember what I was saying, but something about the gating city. Go back. Yeah, this is so annoying. My connection is so bad. Okay. I'm going to move on while you figure it out. Um, Maxi, we negated city. Um, Alfie's, Alfie's connection is about to negate him out of existence. So why don't you give me some good stuff, man? I mean, there, it feels like there's a lot of positives to take away from this one. But if you were to just nail it down to one particular thing that caught your eye. I'm sure someone else would have said this, but it's got to be full time. And Carl Walker has been a massive crybaby starting a fight because he didn't shake someone's hand. And I just thought, you know, we've really rattled them. We've beaten them 1-0 without their two best players. And yet they're there crying. It was just like, um, that was for me sweeter than the win, was just seeing them so upset. And even their fans on Twitter, it's like, it's just beautiful. Uh, you know a lot about football Twitter, Max. I'm going to stay with you for a second here, man. They really just sort of seem to like come out of nowhere. City fans, I don't know if they just like randomly got spawned or whatever. Like I've seen them on the fringes here and there. But man, it really just seems like that Champions League win has just like allowed them to pipe up more. And I now... I, I, okay, so I think a lot of it is definitely like engagement fishing, especially now with the fact that you could make money on Twitter. But um, there's so many city accounts that literally like exclusively talk about Arsenal. I mean, I think about the one kid like straight away, the kid with the with the Erling Holland profile picture. I feel like I I've never seen City fans on Twitter. Like I just uh, so it doesn't come up for maybe, me. Maybe they're on my for you. I don't know. I maybe because I've I've commented talking shit or something, but. Max, I mean, do you, do you like do you uh, communicate and engage with a lot of these um, Man City fans that I guess I didn't know even existed? I guess I'm on the same page as Alfie. To be honest, I, I, you never see them, and they have one good result, and and they're back on your timeline again. But they're all kicking off yesterday because uh, because we haven't won the treble. I saw one guy was saying we celebrated like we won the treble. It's like we've beaten you, just accept it. But no. You see him once or twice a season, but it's it's just funny seeing how insecure they get after one loss. It just cracks me up. Uh, it's just kind of aesthetic, to be honest. Their away I fans were terrible again, by the way. Every time I see them, just, just they, fucking shocking. It's not like their home fans are much better, though, is no, it? No, no. Their away fans is like, you compare them to ours, the way we absolutely dominated that Bournemouth end, and then you, you see them in the Emirates, and not at one point did I hear them sing. And it's like, this is a huge game. They were completely silent. And then after we scored, they were even more peripheral. So, yeah. They just give you like the vibe of like tourists. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they seem like they don't really know what's going on. They're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they just didn't really seem that into it. Um, and I guess it's it's probably hard to get get into any given game when you just feel like uh, the, the game comes easy. Rob, um, good stuff, brother. What you got? Yeah, I think uh, Max's point was was a really good one there, just about um, how sort of rattled they are, and to spin that in 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 the sort of Arsenal light, I think the psychological importance of this was is like yeah, it's it's difficult to put into words how important it was for Arsenal to win against Manchester City. You know, I think even the Community Shield was was really important to just give us that that little bit of belief and even get like a result and contain them for a long time and and play well for periods of game uh you know obviously we we had that game where we lost in the last minute to them uh where we we played really well on the day uh but i think that really knocked the stuffing out of us losing it right at the death uh you can just tell and you could tell in the first 5 minutes of this game um 
there's there's a real real nervousness when when city come to town or when we go up to man city so to get that bigger of a result at home uh, i think it came at a good time for us i know that every game has sort of felt like a final but it came at an early point in the season when you can afford to drop points where you can afford to draw the game um and to to just get this one over the line was 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 so so important and then just to again um sort of elaborate on what alfie was trying to say that the defensive display was I think the best that well, it's definitely the best we've seen this season. Uh, to keep a clean sheet at home is huge. We've spoken about that on this podcast a lot this season. Uh, we've got concentration issues at home. Didn't seem like they were there yesterday, apart from perhaps the, the first five minutes when we struggled. Um, and then for the rest of the game, City did absolutely nothing. Saliba completely pocketed Haaland. Saliba, who was also playing through pain. Um, Declan Rice, monster class in the middle of the park. It, it, there's so much good stuff to talk about. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll keep it at that for now. Yeah. No, I mean, defensively, it was it was monstrous. And... I'm seeing a lot of these tweets. I feel like I'm referencing Twitter a lot, like subconsciously, just because we have Max here. But um, I'm seeing like so many tweets of people being like, oh, well, look at Gabrielle too. Look at Gabrielle too. Saliba gets all the credit, this, that, the other. But I, I agree. I mean, I think just the entire back line was imperious. They were fantastic. And to there's that word again, to negate somebody like Erling Holland. I mean, as, who's a guy we've struggled with so much. He's had um, zero shots in both the games against us this season. And accumulated 0.00 XG, Alfie. There you go. Um, I, I yeah. saw that. And that's well, that just, is how that's having zero shots works. Yeah, well, okay. Um, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Enough of, enough of that guy. Um, Mac, what kind of good stuff you got for me, brother? I want to see if you – I feel like I'm just saying, what good stuff you got? What good stuff you got? What good stuff you got? Surely something's got to overlap here. Or do you have something totally unique? Because that's what we do here. I actually have, I guess, two unique things. I want to talk about one of them. Um, a lot of people, both casuals and committed fans, refer to this match as a bit of a chess match. You know, kind of two teams probing, testing each other out, essentially not being the first one to make a mistake. Sorry, what was that, Alf? Was that? Nope. Cool. That's fine. You broke in for a sec. Regardless. Um, in general, in terms of this being a chess match and, you know, it's normally one that we see Pep Guardiola winning regularly and specifically see City winning regularly. They tend to be really good with substitutions, with changing the flow of a game, with frustrating an opponent and then kind of making a difference in the final minutes. Um, you know, how often have we seen them score equalizers or winners or just run up the score late on because of tactical tweaks and changes and, Mikel Arteta won this chess match using his substitutes off the bench. Uh, the changes we made, the different ways that we profiled our team throughout the match, not only served to continue to frustrate City, but actually gave us advantages. I mean, the Martinelli for Trossard change was driven by injury, but make no mistake, the other three substitutions, um, Thomas Partey, uh, Tom, uh, Tomiyasu, and Kai Havertz, fundamentally changed the way that we set up and structured ourselves and the fact that all four substitutes combined on the four touches for our goal uh Partey to Tomiyasu to Havertz to Martinelli 
is I think that's hard to escape. You know, there is you hear about like impact substitutions, but rarely is it all of your impact substitutions all in one moment. Um, and I thought that was really cool. I just it's rare to see us really win a tactical battle against City. We do it against almost everyone else, and we can do it against almost everyone else. But they've been the one duck that we've kind of been unable to break in that regard. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about was out of possession pressing structures and the fact that we basically did what City tried to do to us except better. Um, shout out John McKenzie, who I talked about in the last podcast. He's got a lot of interesting thoughts about this one in a recent video for TIFO football. So go check that out and I'll chat about what I've seen later. But yeah, man, good stuff is just winning the chess match and really we kind of complain a lot about Arteta's subs and I think more last season than this season, but they were impeccable yesterday. Just perfection. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't help but agree. I mean, how weird is it, by the way, to see Takahiro Tomoyasu contributing to a goal? I mean, like, what a, what a weird but beautiful sight. I mean, just fantastic in the air. We know he's amazing aerially, but usually that comes on the defensive end of the pitch. I mean, just seeing him bomb into that box and head it down to Kai Havertz. And Havertz is a guy who's been subject right, uh, rightly to, to a lot of cri- criticism since he's come in. Does so well to just do the simple thing. Lay it off to Martinelli. Maybe a little bit of fortune uh, with the deflection, but hey, we'll take it. My good stuff actually is going to be the fact that Bukayo Saka didn't play and we just beat the best team in the world. We didn't have our best player and we still beat him. I mean, that I think that pretty much speaks for itself. I don't think Martin Odegaard was that great in this game, who's the guy I consider our second best player. But even so, still we're good enough to beat Man City. And yeah, I think that just kind of shows... What Mac was talking about is true. Like this is a coach now that we have in place that is capable of winning these chess matches, and it feels like the first time in a long time that that we're finally able to say that. Alfie, I know you're a bit of a fucking nerd, so like just with regards to tactics and um, all the good that Mikel Arteta is doing. How do you feel about our title hopes, I guess, going into the rest of the season? Obviously, it's still very early, but I was one that said, look, I think psychologically we need to win this game. And if we don't, I don't think there's any hopes of us pipping City to the title. You look, you took a more logical standpoint and you were just like, obviously, we need to beat them once at least basically to win the trophy, which which, of course, I agree with as well. But how much weight do you think this has psychologically for us going into what's sure to be another title challenge. Uh, well, tragically, I might be forced to jump out of this podcast because I caught about t- basically none of what Max said. I heard chess match a couple of times and it was just, nip, nip, nip. Um, unfortunately my wife, I was destroying this, but I'll answer the question. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think we needed to get uh, last season, obviously if we, beating them once we would have won the title and as Rob was talking about earlier it's the psychological barrier the inferiority complex we had against them after some worrying moments in the first half I think we we started to believe in the second half that we could beat them and then we did and that will give them huge huge boost but also it's just three points off City you know if you can match them in the game so let's say we we lose at the Etihad would have matched them in our games then you're on a level playing field and you just have to beat them in points in in the other games which is still difficult but ideally if we get something at City then we could have worse results than them in other games so it is huge just 
based on the margins that the title was generally decided by with Manchester City. So the fact that they were able to take three points of them is huge. But yeah, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying because all of you are like basically frozen constantly. So it's just pretty abysmal. Um, and I've not heard much of the podcast, so I'll hand it over before it gets taken away again. But I may be forced to quit. You can, you you sound good, mate. Heard everything. Okay, cool. Alfie, we're good, brother. We we hear you. I'm sorry you can't hear us, mate. Just let us know in the. Uh, I can hear yeah, some of you, you. <laughs> some some bits of you. Let us know if you need to dip, brother. We can uh, we can we can make it work. Um, while we're figuring that out, uh, this is just something that sprung to my mind. Max, as he's just talking about all the, uh, all of the, all of the, the weight kind of behind it and just how much it means is, I guess, not that big of a deal really, but like, it just felt like one man, like I, I, it just felt like a statement to me. Like now we we're in a stage now where we've, we've this season basically played city twice. If you know, if you really count the community shield as an actual match, I know city fans don't want to, um, but they haven't even beat beaten us now. You know what I mean? And they've only scored one goal against us, um, excluding the penalty shootout. So surely like this has to have, have some, some significance going into the, to the rest of the season. Right. I think it's huge. I mean, if you could pinpoint one game at the start of the season, you're like, I really want to win that game. Other than maybe Tottenham. You know, you're going to beat Man City at home, like in front of your fans. I think what it will do for the fans, for the players, for Mikel Arteta himself, you know, I think we can't underestimate that. And it's not only the fact we beat them, but it's the way we did it. Like we were so controlled defensively. And I don't, I know it was a stressful game, but at no point did I really feel like we were going to lose. I know that's crazy to to say against Man City, but I I just thought a better team. So the way in which we've done it, it, I think it will have a huge impact. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's one of those backs where it seems like if you just like, if you watch this game after the fact, if you like completely rewatch the entire 90, you'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, we we really just nullified them completely and had a really good game. But it is just such an emotional one. And I, I was saying in the PPC prepack call, you may not steal that or we will sue you. We will find you. Um, I was like literally rolling around my living room floor because I was like so stressed out from this one. And Rob, I was especially stressed out in the opening stages of the game because um, Mr. David Raya decided it would be a good idea to give us all heart palpitations. Um, We'll get into a little bit more about individual performances as the podcast goes on. But I mean, I'm not sure I've ever seen a tale of two halves for a player more than I have for David Raya, because then in the last whatever it was, 10 minutes, um, somebody in the chat said this, I'm, I'm not sure who, but um, somebody said he basically just became like a quarterback and was just absolutely phenomenal at pinging those balls over the top. Whereas like in the first stages of the game, we say we rattled Man City. I'll tell you who looked rattled in the Emirates Stadium. David Raya. That guy looked nervous man I don't know what it was exactly I don't know if it's maybe down to the fact that he's probably just never played a game this big in his career but man Rob that was scary hours at the beginning of this one wasn't it yeah it, um it was a rocky start to the match for David Ryder to say the least um I think that you know he, he's clearly been and and this is clear because Ramsdale used to do it as well these goalkeepers at Arsenal are under instruction to release the ball at the last moment in 
in in most multiple circumstances there was a, there was even a moment in the second half where i was like fully convinced convinced that alvarez was going to block the ball and it was just going to nestle in the back of the net like that was a really scary one. Yang and then foster remember that yeah and then the one where alvarez actually blocked it i thought that went in as well so it it was it was very very scary some of the, some of that distribution um i think though uh I'm going to move on to my my concern, if that's all right. And I'm going to start like sounding a bit like a broken record to our regular listeners. But it is that meritocracy versus suitability thing again. Um, and I'm not even sure by the meritocracy, like Eddie and Ketia should be starting this football match. Um, just in terms of suitability, it was obviously a, a, a play Havertz up front game. Um we saw as soon as Havertz came on, it just gave Raya to someone to hit. I mean, we, we had this sort of three-minute period, um, and Alfie has something to say, and he can, can say it after I've finished speaking. Um, we, 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 had this, <laughs> we had this sort of period late on after we scored where Raya was just pinging the ball up the pitch, and, and it was just hitting either one of Havertz or Jesus every single time and it just enabled us to keep the ball even when City were were pressing high and it just adds a different dimension of our game and this is something that has been spoken about uh, on social media like Havertz is a bit of a Man City killer uh, he, he seems to play really really well against them there's a a series of games for Chelsea when he played well against Man City. He obviously scored against them in the Champions League final. He's someone they have a real problem sort of negating because of his ability to sort of pop up in between the lines, but also be a target man. And I think that just would have been really useful in, in this game to have him up there. So I, that, that would that would just be my concern. I think that, you know, Arteta is clearly seeing something in Eddie, possibly in training. We know Eddie's a really good trainer, um, but this, this game just just didn't suit him in, in my in my opinion. And um, yeah, I think I want to see more of Havertz up front as well because he he just offered us something completely different, and I, I I really loved it. And I kept saying that I really loved it in the uh, Community Shield, and I'm glad we haven't seen more of it since. I think it's his position for us, um, and. Yeah, it's really it's it's a really useful thing that we've got up there now. Uh, Alfie, yeah. So I was I was listening to Arsenal Vision instant reaction, and they had Lewis Ambrose on there, and he had quite an interesting theory as to why Arteta opted for Eddie and Ketia instead of Kai Havertz, and it sort of ties into the Raya thing. And I think it was really, really clear. I said it about 20 minutes in to my dad next to me. I was like, I think it's quite clear that Ryo has been instructed to take his time on the ball. Like really, as as Rob was saying, draw them in, bait them in, try and you know, create any sort of advantage in, in terms of being able to play through them. And, you know, the more you bait them in, the more play the more t- uh, they've got to track back the players that have been beaten by the press. Arteta said um, the same in his interview. Sorry, exactly. interrupt, by the way, in his post-match presser, Arteta said that exactly. about like wanting Raya to dwell on it. Yeah, he, he it was a clear instruction, and Lewis Ambrose basically said that if you start Havertz, you sort of give some of those deeper players like Raya and just any of the players at the back 
the excuse to go long a bit more because you've got a target man there to hit someone like Kai Havertz. Um, whereas you're a bit more reluctant to do that when you've got Eddie and Ketty up top. And there was obviously still some di- long diagonals towards Jesus, who's so good at winning those duels. But I think it was quite a good point. Like I think, and Arteta didn't want to do that because he wanted to keep it pretty tight in the first sort of 60, 70 minutes to make sure that we were still in the game, to make sure we were playing. Because we, we started with a very technical team. We had Jorginho, Zinchenko in there. And it was clearly like, we're going to be really precise with our passing in the deeper areas and not give the ball away. And if we go long, we might lose the ball in the second balls with how good their defenders are. So it was like, that was part of the game plan. And then when it gets to set sort of 70 minutes um, and you back your players to win those duels further forward, you go a bit more long, a bit more direct when you're still in the game and, and take a few more risks in possession, which I think going forward, although it seemed like the short passing is more of a risk, I think he was confident that the players at the back could keep the ball in those areas. You know, going long, you're very likely to lose it. But when you've got Havertz coming on, you're more likely to be able to retain it. So I think that was sort of part of the game plan, if you know what I mean. Um, again, I didn't want Eddie to start. I didn't really like his performance, but I could see some rationale there and it worked in the end. Um, why, why do you think, therefore, that he did it in the Community Shield then? And he didn't, because Eddie was in like contention to start that game and then he didn't. And everyone was like, oh, that's the end of Eddie and Ketcher at Arsenal then, because yeah. I have a start. Yeah, Max said he'd get up. one goal all season. <laughs> he broke that in like three games. <laughs> did, in fact, say that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Community Shield was a little bit different in that we had Saka and Martinelli out wide, so you had the players to feed off Havertz a little bit more from those longer balls, potentially. Um, I don't know. I just think... And we also didn't have David Raya then. So Ramsdale, I think part of the reason, again, this ties into what Arteta said after, he basically digged Ramsdale out and said, you know, certain people would go you know, just keep going long and when they get a bit troubled and the crowd gets a bit agitated early on from these short passes, they and Ramsdale, that feels like one of the main reasons Ramsdale has been dropped, we've been talked about it, or been replaced by Raya. Raya is so much more willing to keep playing short, even if it's it seems a bit shaky, whereas Ramsdale, as soon as a bit of pressure, obviously there's the famous Newcastle away game when we lost top four. Um, where Ramsdale just absolutely folded on our principles and just went long all the time. We kept losing it. We could have just played through the press a bit more. And Raya kept doing that. And in the community shield, we didn't have that. So with, if Ramsdale was going to be going long more often, then you might as well have Havertz up there. But I think we didn't want that in this game uh, until the later periods. I think that was the clear, clear directive. And I thought Raya was brave in that aspect, although he did look really shaky and nervous. Again, it's, it's probably the biggest game in his career. He's played a couple of um, playoff finals, but it is in terms of magnitude and level of the quality on on show. It was it was his biggest game. So obviously he's going to be a bit nervous in early on, but he grew into the game. And I thought second half he was pretty decent all round. Um, and I think the game plan worked, even if Eddie wasn't great. So yeah, yeah. No, I agree, and I I really admired how uncompromising raya was in that game he just uh, it takes like like arteta even said it takes massive cojones to really almost concede a goal and then just be like i'm still gonna keep playing in the same exact way and that really i think helped us a lot and 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 that could be one of the the differences between him and ramsdale like ramsdale yeah has tended in those high pressure moments to not do that 
and that's why yeah. I think he's ultimately lost his place. And and you know, I know maybe Arsenal fans don't quite like it, Mac. It seemed sort of like at, at and especially in the first half when Raya had the ball, that stadium you could hear a freaking pin drop in it. You could almost hear the anxiety. You could hear the the the, the drips of sweat falling off of people's palm, of, man. You know, I didn't like that from the fans. I'm not gonna lie. Like I completely, well, I completely yeah. understand it. You're really, really anxious about City pressing you and stuff, but have a bit of faith in these players that they know what they're doing and they know what the, the manager set them up to do. Like, you know, I'm I'm gonna defend them though, I, Alfie. I, I have to defend them because I think. We've been the victim of abuse here at Arsenal. No, not really. But um, it's just like, we're not used to having a good player be replaced by another good player. It's sort of like we're so used to and traumatized by losing good players and then somebody inferior comes in. So I think this is just very foreign to all of the Arsenal I, I fans. Think, and- yeah, I think a lot of it stems from the admiration that the fans have for Ramsdale. Yes. I was going to say, yeah, yeah that, if that sure helps too. Burn Leno, I don't think they'd be feeling like this, to be honest. Probably not. But probably no. It's it's not it's not 2017 anymore, where everyone's like, "Why the fuck are you going short? Just fucking oof it." Um, people understand now that playing short is part of the game, and it it allows you to play through the press and not just lose it because we were losing a lot of those when Raya did go long or when Gabriel got the ball under pressure and he was clipping it down the line. We were losing it, so. Yeah, uh, Mac. Let's let's get the ball rolling. What kind of canon concern do you have for me? And, and if you had anything to add on the goalkeeper discussion, please feel free as well. Yeah, I'll I'll start with that. And I think it leads into an interesting point that I want to talk about later, just in terms of Jesus's ability at right wing. Um, Saka obviously is, in my opinion, you know, a top two, if not the best right winger in the world, but. Jesus has just this ability to kind of pluck balls out of the sky with his chest, with his head, with either foot. Um, And I think his technical security was another big reason why Havertz didn't necessarily need to start. Because for some reason, I don't know what was, you know, what they put in Jesus's cornflakes, but he won almost every duel against Guardiola, both with the ball at his feet, but like in the air throughout the day. He was, he was giving him a hard time. So I think Jesus at right wing also really does assist at least the ability for Nketiah to start. Um, as for the goalkeepers, Raya was the right start here. And I think on the the fan atmosphere as well, as we started getting more and more comfortable playing short and playing side to side, I kind of enjoyed hearing the anxiety lessen because there are definitely a few moments where, you know, we would dwell for a second too long on the ball and someone would close us down and it was flashbacks to Tomiyasu's back pass last season and, you know, as we slowly worked our way into a rhythm and really started to be able to play um, through the lines and start dictating kind of tempo, feeling that anxiety lesson was really nice because yeah. it helped me. And can, and can I just add on on the whole atmosphere thing? Please like, do. I, I have total sympathy for the fans that were in there. This is a team who ruined what would have been this club's biggest achievement in two decades. It, it was them who did it, and and people can can cry bottle all you like, but we got our sort of our record points tally since since the Invincibles. We were absolutely incredible last season, and because of this monster of Manchester City, we didn't get there. So there's there's scars there, and I think again that that sort of 
um, sort of leaks into what I'd, what I spoke about at the start. It's going to be a confidence now when we play City. There's going to be a knowledge that we can do it, even if it's scrappy. We, we can get one over them. So it, it's important for everyone, but I totally understood the anxiety at, 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 sort of at the start of the game. And I think what you said there, Mac, the, the fans did start, like it, it got less and less anxious. I think because Raya was sort of pro- started to prove them wrong in a, in, a, in a way, obviously there were a few shaky moments, but he, he became a lot yeah, better. And then he had a few beautiful pings out to Jesus, which, and it that sort of allowed the fans to, to feel more confident in him as the game went on. And yeah. And as we became, I think the whole stadium as well as the team became less and less fearful of that city team when they were so profligate in the final third, like not producing anything. And yeah. And just the fans generally were brilliant. Like it was brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. I, I posted the TikTok earlier. I shout, um, and it was, it was, uh, it was one of the best atmospheres I've experienced. I think, but and the limbs at the end. I mean, there was a flare right behind me. Uh, I got slightly burnt by it. Actually, it was literally like literally behind me. It was. I thought oh, I might get on TV or something, but didn't see any images, unfortunately. But. Yeah, it was it was limbs in that only, in that little can, only Alfie Alfie, could oh, for be... fuck's sake, Alfie almost dying was going to be my good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> only Alfie could be burned by a flare. Be like, shit! I almost got on TV. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, carry on. It's I'm, for I'm sorry for this for this entire no, rude. I, uh, I'm loving it. It's it, it's back to our old conversation style, which y'all know I'm fond of. Um, canon concern. I'm going to put. Martin Odegaard as a 10. Now, I want to be very specific about this because he's been unbelievable in a few games this season. Matches like PSV and Bournemouth, where he was kind of able to just control every aspect of proceedings were amazing. Um, And he did, you know, very well against United as well to kind of drag us back into contention. I think, Rob, you had a tweet in response to someone critiquing Odegaard. Yeah, you're basically quoting my tweet right, right now. Lovely. Cool. Well, shout, well, shout out to Blogger49. It was there. Don't you worry. Um, but yeah, I think that he showed some of his weaknesses in possession yesterday. I'm remembering one instance where he kind of gets the ball in the half turn and forget if it was Trossard or Martinelli. I think it was Trossard. He's kind of making an inside to outrun and he just hoofs it 25 yards past him. Um, he didn't look totally secure on the ball, had a couple of turnovers. But on the flip side, his aggression, his pressing game, his ability to really stymie City's kind of deeper build-up phases was world-class. And I think, I find that when Odegaard is played as a 10 with kind of, you know, Rice in an advanced position, and by the way, we've already talked about Rice's game in terms of, you know, he had a block on the line, he had that ridiculous tackle on Mateus Nunes, like there were just a bunch of amazing moments that he had throughout. He was unbelievable. But in kind of a system set up to deny City's ability to progress through the middle, he and Jorginho are naturally going to sit a little bit deeper. And I just found that in that system with Martin Odegaard kind of operating as a pure 10, he felt exposed, he felt rushed, and though he had some good moments, often they would come when he would get the ball a little deeper, be able to turn, take a few touches, and kind of play at his pace. Um, there was one, also there's a counter when he had two players to his right, one to his left, got a ball in space, and just rushed a shot that went over. Um, yeah, that shot pissed me off. Yeah, that was exactly. fucking abysmal. It was just horrible. And like, though he's in great goal-scoring form, and I'm not going to deny him the chance to shoot, 
it just feels like sometimes when he is in too much space or has too much time, he'll rush things, he'll overthink things. When he's kind of really in the flow of things, deeper in the midfield, being able to link up with the players around him, I find that that's where he's at his best as kind of a facilitator rather than a game breaker. And I find that sometimes our tactical use of him as kind of that game breaking number 10, it's good. You know, example, that uh, ridiculous pass to Martinelli um, against Brighton last season that, you know, the wonderful assist to make it 3-1, I think it was. That works great. But again, it's from deep and it's kind of with the ability to combine with people. I don't know. It's an agenda I've been having for a while. And to hop on Rob's broken record point, I continue talking about the ways that he and Bukayo Saka interact and how he was kind of drifting deeper and wider last season. And I'd like to see a return to that for him, maybe in games less important than City. But I thought on the day, he was our worst performer of our starting 11 and the substitutes, maybe with the actually, well, with the exception of Inketia and possibly Trossard. But like, yeah, Trossard was pretty cool. Yeah. But he wasn't. In fairness, he was, he was also injured. Yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking of, he's out of the Belgium camp with, uh, I think, with that hamstring. So I feel like we can recover from we, are, we are finally doing the thing where we withheld, withhold players from international jury, which is beautiful. Yes, we've done Saka and we've done Saka, Saliba, and Trussard yeah. all in the last. I mean, Saka day, might so, still be yeah. going away with England. We don't know yet, but I have no, not. just been confirmed actually in the last forty minutes. Saka oh, really? Has withdrawn. Yeah, so he's he's been Great withdrawn. Stuff. Gareth Gareth Southgate says he wants him back for next week's fixtures, but Arsenal oh, are like no. <laughs> What we, like, please, we've got, we've like, got your Malta in, in, in the qualifiers or something. Exactly. It, just, it doesn't matter. He doesn't need to play a friendly against Australia and a qualifier against Malta. Give, just give Jared Bowen a game or something. Like, he'll, he'll be much, he'll, he'll prefer, he'll be much happier to play in a game against Malta than fucking Saka would for England, but yeah. Maybe they could uh, play Ben White instead. Oh, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> again. Uh, yeah, so my canon concern is Odegaard at the 10. But um, yeah. yeah, shout should, out Declan yeah. Rice and shout out Jorginho. Hell of a game from Jorginho. Oh, I, th- I, thought both of the, uh, I thought both Rice and Jorginho were fantastic. Declan Rice, man of the match for me, without a doubt. And yeah, Jorginho. Saliba, uh, man of the match. Oh, I, well, yes. Oh, man. See, it's a toss-up. But I, th- I think Rice Gabrielle. was. Hey, Gabriel, I mean, it's look at for this. Me. I knew I knew we'd get some AFC Max Nine Gabriel prop. He loves that man. <laughs> I th- I really I loved Rice's performance though. I loved Jorginho's performance. Um, Mac would have seen this. Uh, Robbie Musto over here on NBC was saying, um, "I have a lot of concerns about Jorginho." I was like, "Why?" Jorginho's been immense. He's looked fantastic, and I guess it's just maybe that uh, that feeling that it's probably the uh, Spurs gets- mistake they made. Yeah, uh, well, I was gonna say, and and that is something that's always that's always been in his game, honestly, even before he came to Arsenal. So um, I, I understood it from that point. But I in thought fairness, he was fantastic. He lacroqueted Phil Foden at one point. Like I, he just, he I loved ki- watching he was that. He killing after. it out there. He made yeah. it look really simple. And then Rice, on the other hand, I think just did everything that was maybe a little bit difficult. Sometimes there's there's moments when Rice is in like a defensive position where he has to take someone on one v one. And I'm like, oh, nah, I don't know. I mean, this is this is tricky. And he just somehow comes away with the ball. He 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 has this really funny habit of sliding and getting up really quickly from the slide, which I really like. Um, I'm I'm not sure how he does it. Maybe that's his superpower. Um, and he double just, taps X. I can tell you that much for sure. Says, that he does. Um, and yeah, just just fantastic. I do share some concerns though with you, Mac. Um. I mean, just to put it in simpleton terms, because we all know that's what Daniel Finson likes to do. I feel like he's just shooting too much. 
you know, like sometimes in, in that moment, the, the abysmal shot, um, by the way, my, uh, my lady Katie was playing a game on my phone because hers was dead. Um, much to the WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups pleasure, because usually I spend about, uh, send about 50 messages in there per game. Um, she was like, all your friends are saying abysmal, shocking shit. And I was like, oh, cause I thought maybe they <laughs> conceded and, uh, uh, my stream was behind, but no, luckily it was just a terrible. Odegaard shot but yeah it felt like in that situation he had like five options and then he just went for the the stupid blasted over the bar by 30 yards so I really want Partey versus Southampton vibes in the night yeah I I just wonder if maybe in these these huge huge games especially with that with Saka out the team and as you said Daniel oh surely it's time for our second best player to, uh, to stand up when our when our best player isn't there and let's not forget club captain as well I wonder if he maybe just feels like oh, it's on me. I've got to be the one to do it. I've got to provide that magic moment, not even a magic moment, the the moment of the game. And I wonder if that weighs a, a little bit heavy on him and he, he maybe just needs to be reminded, you know what, you're utterly magic, mate, when you're the one doing the facilitating or you're the one at the heart of the move and then arriving at the end of it rather than the one just being the move by smashing it into the bottom corner. We all know he can do it, but... There's just moments when you want to sustain pressure where you just need him to play the ball to the back stick instead of having a pop on goal. And we saw against Bournemouth, it, it, that was the most sort of creative Erdogan performance that we've seen this season. Uh, and we just need more of that from him sometimes. To, not not to become completely shot shy like he used to be. But um, yeah, when... We need him the, sort of in these games the most to be creative rather than to really try and score the goal to change the game. Um, so, yeah, he just needs to find better balance. I don't think he's been terrible. He wasn't great against City, but, um, yeah, his, his off-the-ball stuff was fine. And yeah. he really does get the fans going, to be fair. which He does. He's like. he's he's constantly doing the, the arm wave up thing. His arms must be tired at the end of every single match of doing that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I reckon that's my main canon concern, really, just because... I don't want to just be negative this whole time because this has just been such a monumental result. But I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna shift gears a little bit with concerns though, and and pass this one over to Max because I want to hear what he has to say about it. Um, I guess my main one that's not really Arsenal related is just the quality of the officiating. I mean, I think everybody and their mothers and cool uncles will agree that that is a red card for Mateo Kovacic. There is just for me, there's no debate. I mean, I just, I can't even see how that wasn't given. Michael Oliver has a very good view of that second challenge. See, for me, for me, I don't think the first one is a red card, personally. I think it's like a bit of an orange card. Um, Rob is just waving his finger at me. But I feel like it's a hard yellow for me, um, as a guy that's really bad at slide tackling people. But I don't think it's quite a red, in my opinion. Um, but then, when you couple that with the fact, Max, that Kovacic is doing basically the exact same challenge just minutes later. Brother, this is something we've seen Arsenal players sent off for again and again and again. It just happened this season earlier with Tomiyasu. Maybe did one thing a bit stupid, and then a couple minutes took too long to throw the ball in, so the refs are quick to throw out a second yellow. Max, my main concern is that I think we still don't have like the best 
of reputations with the referees. I think a lot of them see us as a very emotional and clumsy team, whether or not that's still the case. I think half of it is. Um, And Man City, on the other hand, are seen as these cold-blooded, composed professionals. But as we saw in this game, they could get rattled and they could get a bit emotional. Look at Rodri earlier this season. He chokeslammed a motherfucker. You know what I mean? So my concern is like, we're going to get officiated differently than other teams because of some of our past doings. And it just, it just worries me, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the way I see it is if, if we don't win that game, the discourse would be so different. That's all we'd be talking about is the fact that, um, is the fact that he didn't get sent off. And I think there's only one thing you can say, and that is what if it was Granite Shaka? Like yeah, we say it all the time, but realistically, I think if that's any Arsenal player, it's a straight red card. He studs up from the back. And I don't agree. I think it was Mac on the chat yesterday uh, or the day before you were saying um, that it's uh, an orange card. And that, yeah, and that p- please note that I revoked my opinion because I didn't. they didn't show the full replay on the NBC broadcast until like halftime. And I saw I was sitting with my dad in our kitchen and I saw it and I went, Jesus Christ, no, that's a red. Like... It's actually worse than the one that uh, Curtis Jones got sent off for. It's legitimately worse. So I don't know, man. Yeah, consider it. Consider that revoked. But I think who who just said it there that it's a it's not a, a yellow, yeah that was a that was card. me. But I, I admittedly was an overly aggressive center back in my day. So um, it could be a bit of that. I like to assault people on the pitch. I actually, I actually think uh, orange card. Like I kind of do get it. Like it's the sort of one where no 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 no, no I, look, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Max explain. Why I think I've changed one point. Red card, but the... this is this is a shocking. It's a horror tackle. The pace he goes in with is shocking. I don't know. I feel like it's the sort of one where sometimes you'll see them round down to a yellow. Sometimes you see them round up to a red. How can you round that? That is for me I, I, genuinely that's the most blatant red card I've seen in a long time. He's he's gone through the back of him at that pace. Like like Rob said, I think it's an easy red card. I don't know, maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of glad he didn't get sent off in the end because it meant we didn't win with all these caveats. Like we won against a full Man City, obviously losing De Bruyne and Rodri. But you know, yeah, I'm quite glad that we didn't have to deal with those narratives in the end. Yeah, same here. And and uh, Alfie, I'm going to pass it over to to you real quick to give your uh, your can of concern while you had it. Was uh, and and then after that, go ahead and pass it to Max if you if you would. Well, I missed the last time you spoke for ages, Danny. I missed like ninety percent of that. I only saw the last bit where you asked Max the question, so I have no idea what's been said in the last few minutes. But uh, can and concern. Uh, I don't think. I- I, I feel like most of it's been covered, but I did want to chime in on the Rice Jorginho thing. I think they really complemented each other really well, um, and I think they they just do when you look at their profiles. And maybe it's something we'll see more, particularly in big games. You've got Jorginho's sort of metronomic passing, um, maybe not the legs and the agility and the athleticism, but Rice provides all of that. And Rice was an absolute engine. Some of the tackles, three interceptions, three tackles just really good in that aspect and he allowed Jorginho to focus on that on that passing um and they just, yeah it was just a, a nice balance that we had between them two um I don't know what I would have for canon concerns because I feel like I've raised a couple already 
Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I, I just wanted to get in on that. And yeah, I don't really know what to add. I feel like I've missed quite a lot of what's been said, so I don't really know what I'm chiming in on. <laughs> I feel quite lost Fair in this enough. podcast. Fair enough. We'll, we'll carry you through, brother. This is like uh, this is like Mesut Ozil um, at the end of his Arsenal career. Just a bit of a passenger. We'll carry you along. You're a big one. <laughs> um. <laughs> so frustrating. Every like two minutes goes. Yeah. Well, game's a game. Um, Max. I mean, feel free to leave, mate. Like... <laughs> no, no, I'll stay. I'll stay. Vibes. We want you to stay. We want you to stay. <laughs> AFC Max Nine. What do you have to say about Canon Concerns? What's up? I think it's crazy. That's a brilliant rhyme, by the way. I just think it's crazy that we've just beaten Man City and, and we're trying to find concerns. I think outside of Enketia exactly. and, uh, and exactly. Erdegaard, there's not a there's not a lot more else you can go for. So what I'll I'll take a different angle here and I'll say my main concern is the lack of praise that Havertz is getting on Twitter and on social media. I think if any other player comes off the bench and drops that performance, it wasn't just the assist. He held it up a few times. I feel like if any other player does that, we everyone would be banging on. If that's Reese Nelson, we're not hearing the end of that. So I think the fans can criticise him when he does stuff wrong and he's done a lot wrong this season. But at the same time, when he plays well, and I think he completely changed the game yesterday, I think we have to give him his, give him his flowers. And I thought it was exceptional yesterday. I mean, I agree. Uh, it's it's one of those things where since he's come in, we've been saying, oh, he just keeps playing the simple ball. Kai, you've got to take some risks. But this is a game-winning assist against the best team in the world doing, guess what? The simple thing. Holding it up in the box, sees the winger running towards him, says, all right, little three-yard pass, easy. You know, sometimes you don't have to do things in the most complicated way um, imaginable. And yeah, I, I think I agree with you, man. I, I think Kai Havertz deserves a lot of praise for just his recent performances in general. It really does seem like that penalty may have helped him quite a bit. Bit of a captaining masterclass from Martin Odegaard there. Um, now, I do think this lends itself to a wider discussion um, about whether or not Kai Havertz is typically deployed in the correct role. Um, I, I do think that he is good at some of the aspects of, a, of playing left eight. I will say that. I think he's very good in duels, and I think he's good at keeping things moving, keeping the ball ticking. That said, I also think he brings a lot to a center forward role. Um, very good hold-up play. Amazing in the air, obviously. And then he just does have an eye for a goal. You know, even even when maybe he's that little bit lower on confidence, he does just know where to pick a goal out. And Rob, I know for a fact I've seen AFC Max 9 talking about this. So instead of him, I'm going to come to you instead, birdie boy. Um, does this sort of feel like one where it'll eventually turn into Kai Havertz just becoming a center forward rather than the left eight? that Mikel Arteta did want him to become? I don't know. I think that uh, it's going to be really interesting to see like our middle, our midfield composition now that Thomas Partey is back. It's going to be interesting to see if the plan all along was uh, sort of Rice being a, a bit more advanced, sort of a very advanced defender. That's how I like to think of Declan Rice. You know, I, I, I've already spoken about that passage late on where... Um, we kept the ball so impressively by lumping it up to Havertz. 
you know, we've got one of the best sort of sweeping up players of the ball in the league in Declan Rice. You know, he just pops up all over the pitch. I thought it was really sort of interesting the way he was the one when there were the knockdowns. He was the one sort of getting onto the ball. And then we had moments as well. We had that Martinelli shot earlier in the se- in, in the second half where Rice wins it really high up the pitch. I think he has a real use there. And credit where credit's due to Thomas Partey. He, he really, really did change the game when he, when he came on. Um, I think this is something that, that Alfie has sort of raised maybe, maybe the, the, the slightest of concern about uh, just about missing Partey's sort of direct passing there as opposed to Rice's. Uh, you know, he's been very good in that role, but he's not quite Partey in terms of breaking the lines. Um, so, yeah, I think just on that, it'll be interesting to see if we see sort of that Rice, uh, Partey, Erdegaard midfield more often now that they're back. As for Havertz, um, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of want to see him play uh, in the role Erdegaard plays at the moment before completely writing him off as a midfielder. Uh, because as, as much as I love Erdegaard and I tried to defend him when Mac raised his concern, uh, Erdegaard at times this season has basically been playing as a second striker. And you think in your head, what has Kai Havertz been described as his whole career? a second striker. Uh, so you do wonder how effective he could be in a role where he's basically allowed to be that guy in the attack who can basically just fire off shots whenever he wants and get in, in advanced positions. Um, but I think I I sort of said it when Havertz joined and then Alfie quite successfully persuaded me otherwise, but maybe I was right all along. I did see Havertz <laughs> is more of a No, forward. no, no, no. <laughs> um, That's not what was... <laughs> you concerned about the defensive side of the game? Um, yeah, that's true. Actually, he surprised I, me, and I, I argued against that. And I think that's yeah. where he has been good, actually. Yeah, but he's, he's clearly struggling to influence games attacking wise on that left hand side. Let's just give him a run uh, up front. I think whilst Saka is carrying a little injury, whilst Martinelli is still recuperating. You can play Jesus on the wing. We've seen that Jesus is a really, really good winger, uh, especially on the right. I love that display, by the way. He had Gvardio, an 80 million pound defender on rags all game. Um, And I also thought it was just really nice to see a right-footed player on that side. It just offered us something very different. Uh, I think Jesus is only mistakes per se were like missing out on those cutbacks you know rice was 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 in a really good position a couple of times that's another thing that will be interesting if rice plays a bit further forward but let's give Havertz a couple of games up front let's see if he can grab a couple of goals and maybe then uh his confidence will go up in midfield but you know at the moment it's just not not clicking in midfield so i'd be happy to see him play up front and that doesn't mean Jesus has to be dropped, which is it's a good thing, and it just offers us something different. And with a keeper like Raya in goal, it's someone to hit. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, don't, I wasn't supposed to speak, but I guess I will. Um, <laughs> I don't know because it normally goes back to Daniel, but uh, and I just accidentally press on your mute. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm completely all over the place in this podcast because I've not been involved. Um, I was going to say I do have a slight canon concern. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. It was ages <laughs> you're, yeah, you're about 30 minutes late, but yeah. feel free. Well, you yeah. asked me last time it came to me. Yeah, this is, dude, this, is, hard, so. this is later than the Kovacic challenge, but go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Alfie Stinker thinks he's intimidated by, I think he's intimidated by my presence. Maybe I am. Maybe that's what's happening. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I still don't, I guess it's a canon concern in that we still didn't create that much. Um, I will caveat that canon concern with the fact that it was Manchester City and this is exactly the game I expected. Like people were like, oh, it was not an exciting game. This is exactly what I expected between the two best defences in the league um, I expected few chances and I expected again I'm going to say a bit of a chess match which is a cliche um, and I saw Alan Riley getting annoyed at people on Twitter for calling it a chess match because um, he said this weird tactico thing but I think it's quite a generic claim for about a game that was just tactical and not that exciting um, so I'm, I'm not really concerned about the fact we... I mean, we still had 12 shots against City, which is all right, but it didn't come to many good chances. Um, but yeah, that's what I was going to say. I had another point, but again, my mind's gone blank, so <laughs> I might have to, you might have to come back to me. Uh, that's that's all right, brother. Don't don't even worry about it. Um, luckily, you have... I'm having a shocker. I am. You have, you have Danny Jorginho in the house to to steer the ship so everything will be okay Alfie don't you worry your pretty little head um thanks okay um don't ever cut me off again let's move off to uh the explosive (laughs) the explosive moment um (laughs) why have you stopped (laughs) (laughs) don't ever say that word dude this is an this is an american broadcast alpha you can't be saying that word man that's a serious serious uh serious offense here in the states brother you damn commie bastard let's move on to the explosive moment i feel like honestly you could like nail it down to a few sure you could say the basic one oh it's the game winner from gabrielle martinelli that's fine i would get it absolutely but max I'm going to go something a little bit different, man. I'm going to go with the triple sub, the Avenger substitution. I saw a tweet say, they think they're the Avengers. Well, turns out they are because they just combined to beat the best team in the world. Tomoyasu, Havertz, and Thomas Partey coming on the pitch won us the game, man. So for me, that's got to be my explosive moment. That dare I say trifecta coming onto the pitch. Do you have something different? Yeah, I think you're right there. That is the kind of the game-changing moment. I'm going to go for something a bit more lighthearted. I'll say uh, Gabriel Martinelli's uh, knee slide. I'm not sure if you've seen the video, but the way he stops perfectly on the line, it gives me Lacazette memories. And, you know, obviously that's fond memories for me. So it's just, you know, the influence Lacazette is still having on this team is, is incredible. And it was the perfect knee slide for the perfect goal. Anything for saved on my, uh, on my phone as Max Lacazette squad. Anything for him to mention Lacazette. I was wondering. It's been an hour, Max. I mean, it's I always think, Lacazette and Gabriel. That's Lacazette, gonna he's going to be DMing me like, bro, I just listened to the Arsenal Cannon podcast, the best podcast in the world. And you didn't mention me till after the hour mark, man. What the hell are you doing? Um, Birdie boy, do you have a different explosive moment? We've got two different explosive moments here, man. This is, this is crazy. This is, this is crazy talk. Uh, I guess, um, the other one that it is is of significance would be another substitution, which is the Gabriel Martinelli change, and obviously he he scores the goal. Um, but 
He changed the game Com- completely. He just added us something completely different. I think starting three guys who, you know, favor operating in, in central areas is always going to be a bit, a bit uh, sort of stodgy in the forward areas. Um, so Trossard and Ketia and Jesus, once we brought on some natural width, oh, it, it really did pop off and the game just started to change a little bit. And, it also was it was a really nice and obviously like Trossard was injured, so maybe it wasn't a tactical move, but it felt a little bit tactical just because City were clogging up the central areas so much. And we had moments early when Jorginho would play nice clip balls out to either one of Jesus or White on the right. And that was the way to, to sort of win this, this football match was to get the ball out wide and into the box quickly. Um, and obviously that's not how we went on to win it, but it was how we caused City problems. Um, so yeah, I think I think that would be my uh, e- explosive moment from this game, the Martinelli sub. Uh, but I do also want to say, based on what AFC Max Nine just said, I tweeted about Martinelli's knee slide before AFC James did, and then AFC James's tweet popped off. So um, not throwing any accusations here; it's just an observation. How does it that feel to be out? With him. I think I think Rob doesn't like the fact that he's just been out handsomed. I think that's what it is. Oh man, handsome El Clasico coming at you live, folks. Uh, he just flipped me the bird. Cool, um, Mac. Well, I, I don't know what to do, man. We've got freaking three different explosive moments. Are you going to give me something different? Are you going to make my life even more difficult? Or are you just a basic bitch? Uh, well, first of all, I do want to say AFC James is um, verified on Twitter. And also has 85k followers, so like would expect his shit to pop off. Uh, sorry, has Twitter blue verification isn't a thing anymore. Don't matter. Um, AFC Max Nine has also said he's not as handsome as Rob. On God, AFC Max Nine, Rob's a handsome fella. Um, for me, I mean, the explosive moment is Martinelli's goal, but it's also the scenes afterwards. I mean, everything from then on was pretty perfect. I want to give a weird shout out to Declan Rice just for clearing the ball off the line off of that Guardiola like weird little tip back that is one thing I do want to mention I've said it already but like just it was you know it set the tone for the match it was very much indicative of our fight uh that we took to City and also shout out to Ben White for absolutely pocketing and then nutmegging Jeremy Doku I think there was a lot of fear about what Jeremy Doku would do to our fullbacks and I think Pep saw us bring Tomiyasu on and was like, oh my God, got to switch this guy over to the left. He'll expose Benny, Ben White. Nope. Benny Blanco gets revenge on Pacey direct wingers. Uh, one of the better performances I've seen from him defensively. He was composed. He was really good on the ball. So yeah, shout out Ben White. But no, I'm, I'm a basic bitch, Daniel. It's the Martinelli goal. There's kind of, there's nothing else that can, you know, not only because it's the game winner, but because of the way in which it was scored and kind of the way it just uplifted everything. Um, and actually, I also want to comment, his interview after the match with the NBC folks was so lovely. He was like, they were all like, oh my God, it's a big win. You've scored the game winner. You got to be, you know, going out partying. How are you going to celebrate? He was like, yeah, my mom, my dad, my missus are all here, a couple of my friends. So we're just going to go like eat dinner and chill. And man, he's, he's, he's a quality fella quality player great goal the deflection doesn't matter i don't really care i'll be honest um 
Yeah, but he, yeah. he didn't. He didn't put. He didn't put his mic down nicely. So because, oh, exactly, that's, that's the problem. He didn't. He didn't caress the table with his microphone. Uh, shout out Hyungwin Son. <laughs> anyway, that's what I've got. But yeah, that's that. That's my little bit part commentary. Well, you're not really a basic bitch, Mac, because now that means we have four different explosive moments, dude. So you're not at all, um, Alfie. I don't know if you could hear me because I see you coming and going in the Zencaster, but I'm going to spring it to you, dude. Um, you have the chance to become the game winner, the Martinelli, if you'd like. And I know you're a bit of an egomaniac, so feel free to do so. Feel free to double up with one of the explosive moments or feel free to have a fifth. And then um, I guess we'll just have to have five different explosive moments. Again, historical podcast. Alfie, are you there, man? So once again, I have absolutely no idea what Max said. Uh and literally the last bit I heard was, are you going to do a fifth explosive moment? Alfie, go ahead. That's all I heard. So I have no idea what... Did you do yours, Danny? Yeah, I did. I did the, I did the triple substitution. Oh, yeah. What was yours, Matt? Uh, the goal. The goal. Okay, well, I actually do Just- have a different one. This is a good refresher for all of the listeners with a really short-term memory. Thank you, Alfie. (laughs) I actually do have a different one, Um, and I just picked it so I can talk about the point I was going to talk about, which I forgot about. Um, And I'm going with when William Saliba basically floored Erling Haaland when he played that through ball. Um, Why has my series started? Series, did you hear that? (laughs) No, so yeah, slightly. Just, just keep going. Speaking. Um, <laughs> absolute disaster. So yeah, I'm going with that just so I can talk about William Saliba, who was my man of the match. I thought he was unbelievable. Um, I think we have the. I think we shouldn't be scared to say we have the best centre back in world football playing for Arsenal Football Club, which is not something I feel like we've ever said. Um, maybe I don't know. Back when we had Sol Campbell, he was close. Maybe. Um, Max nodding. Um, <laughs> um, it just unbelievably good. Like his passing, his recovery pace, the way he sweeps around, he completely nullified the best striker in the world. You know, I've heard a lot of talk about Gvardiol. Um, listen, he's good, but watching that performance yesterday, he's not in the same stratosphere. As, as William Saliba. There are some other good players like Diaz, Stones. Um, I don't know who else you'd even put in the bracket, but he is just, he's just incredible. Like, I feel like without him, we aren't anywhere, and we saw it last season. But I just think he is, he's at that level where he sort of brings that Van Dyke aura that, he, that Van Dyke had a few years ago just like I couldn't believe some of the things he was doing in this game and it was the same in the Man City game just his technical ability in tight spaces and and ability to play passes when other centre-backs would just go back to their keeper in those sort of areas honestly astonishing and I think we're so blessed to have a player at that level I mean it's just crazy that this like this dude's Arsenal career was like scandalous just like a couple of years ago, man. Will he ever pull over the red and will he ever pull it over his shoulders, the red and white? Yes. Yes, he will. And he'll be like one of our best defenders um, ever. I mean, 
He, he is our best defender without a doubt. But shout out to Gabriel because I think he's phenomenal as well. But I do think that, yeah, I mean, there was some debate, I think, for in, in like the best young center back argument between um, or, or best young defender argument, whatever you want to call it, between him and him and Vardial. <laughs> Get out of here, man. Hit the bricks, kid. It ain't even a debate. I mean, no doubt in my mind. The thing that I always like to say when there's like some sort of debate there's a lot of like Saka versus Foden, which again is another joke um, from from the City fans. Are the, they're the only ones that even say it at all because we don't even think about them. Uh, their players like that because our players are just are just better. Is imagine that player in this Arsenal team? Do you really think they'd be doing the same? I don't think so. So I think a lot of our players are just now getting to the point where yeah. They're just a lot of they're just a lot better than those than those Man City guys um, individually. I think it's just the collective unit of Manchester City that's so special. But hey, it doesn't freaking matter, Mac Johnson, because we absolutely creamed the best team in the world. I just said a couple podcasts ago that they're the best team I've ever seen, like without a shadow of a doubt. And we freaking beat them one nil. Hard fought. Feels so damn good. I don't really know if I have anything else to add, so I'm going to pass it over to Mac real quick um, with either marketing opportunity of a lifetime or anything else you want to talk about with the Man City victory. Um, I'm going to just say two for one that my marketing opportunity of a lifetime is going to be just talking a little bit about like out-of-possession structures and this really interesting thing that both City and us did yesterday where we brought our wingers very narrow. We pushed one of our eights kind of up to play almost like a defensive 10 in behind two forwards. They looked really similar. Um, and just to to out City City, I think was pretty wonderful. Um, we controlled the game amazingly at the end, but in my mind, what really made, I don't know, the difference is that City have a very prescribed route to goal, if that makes sense. Like, you're expecting them to go through Erling Holland. You're expecting them to find kind of these spaces in between the lines and play through. Um, when they play at their best, when they generate their best chances, it's when they're able to do that. And for two matches in a row now, uh, Wolves have stymied them in that regard. We stymied them in that regard, even worse than Wolves did. Um, and they also got beaten by Newcastle in the League Cup. Uh, you know, three games without Rodri, three losses, it's a problem. And I think if Rodri's healthy when we play at the Etihad, I think it's on March 30th. Don't ask me why I know that. But um, it might be a different match. But yeah, I just think, you know, above all my marketing opportunity of a lifetime is that we beat Manchester City, but we did it by genuinely outplaying them in almost every facet of the game. And that's something that we haven't been able to say for a long time, if ever. So... Yeah, there we go, man. I love that. I love that. Very, very nice. Um, yeah, I, that feels so much better than just a, a smash and grab. Not to say that those don't feel good, because um, it still would have felt great to beat Man City without a doubt. But yeah, to do so in a fashion that we did is is really just special, honestly. And and I fully agree and second everything you just said. And it was super interesting to watch the the two tactical juggernauts, I guess you could call them now, uh, scoring up because yeah, Arteta. You know, maybe he could be a bit of a galaxy brain, much like his, uh, much like his trainer sometimes. But he really got it spot on against Man City. Blue Moon, Birdie Boy, what do you got for me? Um, I want to just say that I think the like big explosive moment of the week has to be um 
Daniels, uh, the the Avengers, just because I think that the big explosive moment of the week has to involve Mikel Arteta, because this win is all about Mikel Arteta. This is a guy who has just beaten the professor. And I know we've done it in the FA Cup before and Community Shield. We did well at the start of the season. But because of the changes Arteta made, we won this football match. And that is what him getting one over Pep. So I think regardless of how it's done, whether it's the Martinelli introduction or the three changes, which were obviously more like decisive of the game, it has to involve Arteta. Uh, this 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 is this is down to him this win um, and how lucky we are to have a manager like that and I think my my shout out is going to be a bit more like a spotlight this week because I don't have anything to plug and it's just going to be um, Leah Williamson's reaction to hearing about um, us going one 0 up uh, lovely I mean so so lovely she she's just all of us isn't she um, the 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 sort of shock at hearing with being Man City because I think that's what we all felt. Like, I haven't celebrated a goal that hard in, in a very long time. You know, the Rice goal against United was euphoric, but this was... It was almost relieving. It, it's been so long without it and it just all sort of... Yeah, I released all of that when, when we scored. I, I, I couldn't quite believe my eyes and her reaction was similar. So if you haven't already caught her reaction, just type her name in on Twitter and I'm, I'm sure it'll come up because it, it, it was it was lovely. Yeah, I always know when it's like an explosive goal because like I'll, I'll, that was one point in the game that I was actually sitting, if you'd believe it, um, at that moment because it did just sort of look like a bit of a speculative ball from Thomas Partey. Um, but then it, it was just beautifully simple. Um, and I just sprung off my seat and I swear, I just jumped like across the freaking house. and was like, yeah! and I always know when it's a big, important goal. When Katie's like, Daniel, <laughs> she don't give a shit. She don't give a shit about the game, bro. Um, I was just going, I was going mental, man. I was going nuts. Um, yeah. Ugh. It was just such a relief. And then literally for the rest of the day, dude, I was like tired from that, man. It was just so mentally exhausting. Um, yeah. And, and you know what else is mentally exhausting? AFC Max 9 having to listen to all of us bozos in the flesh. I feel so bad for this guy, but he really held his own. He had a really nice, tidy debut. We're absolutely going to have him back on the podcast. So AFC Max 9, I know you're like a celebrity and your you know, Twitter following is like, double the size of my hometown but um yeah what kind of what kind of stuff would you like to plug my friend marketing opportunity of a lifetime i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say my instagram which actually has more followers than my twitter afc.talk <laughs> so make sure you're following that and then my main one is uh daniel underscore finton on twitter my favorite account you get a big mixture of football tweets self-deprecation and then also some random tweets about his day so i think uh I think it's always a pleasure to see yeah. a Daniel Finton tweet. He's in your good. Timeline. He's Days good. Probably right. most underrated account on Twitter. Some some may say. I muted him. <laughs> I don't blame you. I tweet about 86 times a day. Um, well, Alfie, basically this whole podcast has been muted for you, my friend. So uh, marketing opportunity of a lifetime, Alf, what you got? <laughs> it has. Uh, I'm just going to say we love you also, Dakota UK. Um, and yeah, I'm very sorry for my minimal and generally shite contributions to this podcast but this connection has really thrown me off i've heard about a quarter of it um so when i do listen back it'll be like listening to to it as a listener for the first time so quite excited but um also shout out mike dean 
Uh, shout out Paul Merson shouting at Mike Dean. I uh, You'll have to fill me in with that. I actually didn't see that. What is that? You didn't see that? Living under a rock? Kind uh, of, yeah. So Mike Dean was basically asked uh, about sort of the Diaz thing and stuff. And then he, he said, he basically digged, he, he like went at, everyone else sat in the studio who were ex-players saying we can't give it to ex-players because they obviously don't know the laws of the game uh you know you can't just stop a game for the sake of it and then uh, paul merson starts shouting him for the sake of it for the sake of it the goal was just not given um and it was good yeah he just started shouting him for ages um and obviously paul merson was in the right mike dean's a fucking twat uh this is someone who admitted he didn't tell his mate to go and look at the monitor because he was friends with him didn't want to inconvenience him they're talking about the laws of the game fucking prick he's always been a prick um so yeah shout paul merson for that i yeah i can't stand mike dean so that's that's great to hear no i i must be living under a rock i'll have to check that out and you should all too folks check out everything we've uh marketed today and also yeah to second alfie's thing check out we love you uh, we love you arsenal.co.uk i'm gonna have a fintance frolic dropping on that late af may i just say it was supposed to be before the city game but it said it's gonna be after the city game and it's still gonna be the same topic it's about the peaky blinder fan folks <laughs> um that guy we've all seen what a guy pumping his fist. i mean he's what a got legend. to be on fifa <laughs> He's definitely the reason we beat Man City. Let's be totally honest. Not the triple sub to, to save the world. It's no always way. him and uh, the Allegri guy in the crowd. Together. <laughs> and Ty. And the guy who goes like that after every game. So yeah, like score guy. Bully guy. Yeah. Score guy on yeah. Twitter, yeah. Legend. Legends. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be about You've him. Been so well informed that Arsenal are going to a point... Massimiliano Allegri. Arsenal, very close to the appointment of Massimiliano. Very, very close. And everyone's like, who the fuck's that? Oh, Allegri. Oh, poor, poor. I was poor behind Aaron. the camera for that video. Oh, there he is. Oh. Yeah, what a guy. Uh, AFC Max Nine is just showing us the, the Peaky Blinder himself in the Arsenal crowd. Love it. Only you Brits could pull off that hat, by the way. I would just look like a total ass if I tried to wear that thing, by the way. Um, so fair play to you. Alfie, I always ask you, man. But do you mind if I ask the the question to AFC Max Nine since I don't trust your ability to hear me? I can hear you, but go ahead. Okay, AFC Max Nine, you know how we do. You listen to the show, which which is still so crazy to me that anybody listens to the show. But I always ask a question at the end of every single podcast. But it needs to be a British accent saying it. It rhymes with Schneeny da Fong or something. Fucking, you always do that. I'm so we, lost. All right. It's, oh, it's we just, need a song. We need a song. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody have anything in mind? Well, I was going to suggest, uh, well, I've been suggesting for a few weeks, the Ugandan um, Arsenal song. You know what? Yes. You know what? You Absolutely. Bert actually said to you last podcast, if we beat Man City, we can do that. That's so, it. That's it. Folks, enjoy oh, whatever. We, Perez. Lundberg, Will Todd. Folks, it's such a, a banger. Leave a review, please, God. Um, keep listening to this podcast despite that atrocity there at the end. Alvin Colshaw dropping a zero out of ten. We still love him though. Um, and we'll see you on the next. We all uh, have off days, even the greats. So, <laughs> I gotta hate this guy. My all right, boys will be fuming. But I didn't That's get a, a fair, fair hey. time. 
Can I end the podcast now? Is that okay with you? Yeah, you, you have permission. Goodbye. Goodbye, folks. I